Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for being here today. My name is Andrew Garcia. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at LifePoint Church. If you're new with us, um, we're in a new series right now, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. Now, here's the thing: um, if you want to know something about me, I like puzzles. Do I have any puzzle lovers in the house? A few of you, okay? Hands went up. All right, I like it. I like it. Here's the thing about puzzles: um, it's kind of funny how we enjoy puzzles, even though we know what the outcome is, right? Like, isn't that kind of a funny thing to you? No, just me? Okay, I'm weird. That's fine. I think, it's, I think it's interesting and ironic how we enjoy puzzles even though we know what the end result is, is going to be. And here's the thing. Have you ever kind of, you know, you're doing a puzzle and you find these two pieces and you're like, man, these two pieces fit together. And like, you're so sure that these two pieces were supposed to go together and then you get further along in the puzzle and you realize, oh man, they don't. They go in two separate spots. And, and it's interesting because this is what we're talking about today. We're talking about the pieces of our lives and how we put them together to have right relationships. And if you were to kind of boil this series down, we're talking about how to have careful living in a carefree world. Careful living in a carefree world. And we kind of started this series off with the hope and the intent that we would begin to learn how to swipe right when it comes to our relationships. And our prayer today is that God would help us see how to regret-proof our marriage beds and our deathbeds as it relates to our romantic relationships. And, and here's the thing. We, we, it doesn't matter kind of how you walked in today, what it is, that your past that's behind you. What we're saying, what we're declaring in this place is that from this day forward, we can begin to fight for the future that God has for us. And so maybe you're like, man, why would you even do <laughs> a series like this? And, and here's the truth. You know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that there is a distortion of sexuality, of relationships, of love when it comes to our culture. And, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but the amount of exposure that we've all experienced has really numbed us to, to the severity of the problem that exists around us. You see, our access has changed our attitude. Access has changed our attitude. And so culture has so saturated the romantic narrative that we have begun to believe the lies when it comes to sexuality and to relationships. And so last week, Pastor Denny exposed the lies behind sex culture. And if you missed out on that, go back, listen to it on podcast, um, whatever you listen to, SoundCloud. It, it's, a great, um, it's a great message, but it also sets us up for the entire series. And this week, what we're going to be looking into are the lies, and we want to expose the lies behind the romantic narrative and what we need to consider to do about them. And, and here's what I really, really believe. That in this book called the Bible, most of the problems that each and every one of us face, there's, there's an answer or, or solutions to those problems in this book. The problem is, is that so many of us think and so many of us want the pieces of our lives to fit together in a way that is adverse, that is countercultural, that is counter to what it says in this book. And, and the sad thing is that we think that we understand how our life fits together, together better than the designer originally intended. And the problem is, is that most of us, we don't see our lives holistically. We see very linear. And when it comes to the decisions that we make in our lives, we don't really see how this decision connects to the next decision. 
And before we can solve the issue of love and relationships, we need to be able to see it in its entirety. So here we go. The successful American narrative that we have all bought into is this idea that they lived happily ever after. Come on, any Disney fans in the house? Yes, so you know. And isn't it funny how, and, and this is a small example, but to be complete, to be fulfilled, to live the best life, to live our best life, requires myself and someone else. And if you don't believe me, let's just look at some of the stories in the movies that culture kind of puts in front of us because culture impacts conscience and influences our cues. And so we have to pay attention to what's happening around us to recognize how we're putting things together inside of us. So do I have any notebook fans in the house? I heard a couple men grunt. All right. You love your lady. What about, what about, what about pretty woman? The 1990 twist on Cinderella. What, what about this one? The Silver Linings Playbook. Yes, because you mainly just like uh, Bradley Cooper. <laughs> Sad world we live in. But I guess he's easy on the eyes. I can see it. But here's the thing. What we see influence what's happening inside of us. And when we look at the message that's being sold to us, we're seeing that to be complete, to have it all, to live your best life requires you and someone else. This is how they live happily ever after. And it's funny to me because it's always plural. Like you never hear a story that's like, and he lived happily ever after, or she lived happily ever after. There's always a they. And maybe you don't see the impact of this, but that's what I want us to figure out today. Because we've come to believe that it requires a they to be happy, most of us live our lives unfulfilled, incomplete, and angry. <laughs> right? The American romantic narrative that we've bought into is that we need the money, the house, the car, the clothes. But to top it all off, to really wrap it together, to tie it in, requires that boy or that girl, that, that hottie. And it's interesting because if you notice, notice it's, it's about all the things that are happening on the outside. Right? Like, like when we think of celebrities or, you know, people that we kind of admire, I guess. Kanye and Kimmy K. Maybe not a relationship. <laughs> Some of it was bought, not built, but hey. Justin Timberlake and Jessica Bale. Tom Brady and Giselle. Right? They, they embody this idea that a successful career, money, looks is the happily ever after, right? Some of you are getting jealous right now just looking at them. And here's the problem. When people become products, there's a problem with our understanding of relationships. And when we look at the stats, and we talked about this last week, and this is a little heavy, but divorces in America average around 40 to 50%. And sadly, I found an article in Pew Research uh, in 2017 that said that up to 74% of divorcees claim to be Christian. You know what that tells me? That conveniently we want God in our lives, but we want him out here instead of in here. 
We want him on the outside of our lives instead of in the middle of our lives. Pornography. 35% of internet downloads are porn-related. And you want to know what's most sad? The most common roles in titles are women's in their 20s portraying teenagers. Child pornography. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children says and reported an exploitation jumped from 1 million in 2013 to 10 million in 2017. And the number was expected to be 14 million last year. And I want you to sit on that discomfort for a minute. Because while doing this message, I felt a little convicted myself sitting in my comfortable chair, realizing that somewhere else some child is experiencing a discomfort that is going to impact and create a downward spiral for the rest of their lives. Sex trafficking. 4.5 million people are trapped in forced sexual exploitation. Exploitation. Two million a year are children. And it's estimated that it's a $99 billion industry. $99 billion. Rape. There are around 321,500 victims aged 12 and older in the U.S. alone. And 90% of all rape victims are women. Do I really need to go on to convince you that we have a problem in our culture with relationships and how they work. And we've gotten it wrong because we've gone outside of God's plan and purpose for relationship and for love in our lives. We've misplaced the function and the nature of love. And really, I, I don't really blame us when you think about it. Think of how much social media and content and Netflix and Hulu and stars that comes into this, the, through these eyes and into our soul on a weekly basis. Compound that over a year, two years, five years, seven, ten. It's no wonder why we've ended up where we find ourselves today. It's obvious that we have a thirst and a hunger but we're looking in all the wrong places. And sadly enough, the church's response to culture has kind of been to push marriage as the solution. I don't know if you've noticed this, and maybe it's just my opinion, but I believe that the church has done a disservice, disservice to those who are married and those who are not by making marriage this platform and pushing the story that a marriage relationship is what matters most when the only relationship that matters most, whether you're single, single and ready to mingle or married, is not you and someone else. It's you and God. You have been made for more than some man or some woman. And if you're single today, you need to realize your life is not on hold because you haven't found that someone else. It blows my mind how we look down on singleness, on, on people who are divorced or widowed. Like there's a sense that if they fell into one of these categories that they're not a complete person. Like, oh man, like how do they do it? Like, you, come on, you've, you've caught yourself like this before. Thinking, oh, poor, poor them. It's not just me. We, we have this sense that they're less than, that they're incomplete, that they're not normal. And this epidemic has reached so far that there's kind of this invisible line 
where if you reach a certain age and you're not married or in a relationship, you're a creeper, boo. Come on. You see some 40-year-old dude and he doesn't have somebody in his life and you, you're like, hmm, I'm going to stay away from him. Mama's the only one that loves that man. Some, he's a man-child. I just lost my place. Here's the thing. We have placed pressure on people to meet expectations that they were never designed to meet. And again, I believe that the church has done a horrible job of having a conversation about this real tension. You see, see we, we honor marriage and, and we honor good relationships, but, but poor singles, why don't you mingle? We keep trying to offer good advice on how to swipe right with people, forgetting that the truth might be that for some of us, God has created us to serve Him and Him alone and then the people around us. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I want to show you guys this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 25 through 35, and it's 10 verses, but it's not long, promise. But it has so much power and potency to speak to everyone's life. Now, the master did not give explicit directions regarding virgins. That's a good way to start a sentence. But as one, much experience in the mercy of the master and my loyalty to him all the way. You can trust my counsel. Because of the current pressures on us from all sides, that sounds like our world. And I would think it would probably be best to just stay as you are. Are you married? Well, stay married. This isn't a, a reason to get divorced today, somebody. Are you unmarried? Well, well, don't get married. But there's certainly no sin in getting married, whether you're a virgin or not. All I am saying is that when you marry, you take on the additional stress of an already stressful time. And all the people who are married in the house said, Amen. Amen. And I want to spare you, if possible, because it's so interesting to me how we love the process of falling in love but boy, oh boy, is the commitment to stay in love hard. I do want to point out, friends, that time is of the essence. There is no time to waste, so don't complicate your lives unnecessarily. Keep it simple. In marriage, joy, grief, whatever, even in the ordinary things, your daily routines of shopping and so on, deal as sparingly as possible with the things the world thrusts on you. This world, as you see it, is on its way out. In other words, it's fading it's slowly eroding. The lights are dimming. And I want you to live as free of complications as possible. And when you're unmarried, you're free to concentrate on simply pleasing the master. Marriage involves you and all the nuts and bolts of domestic life and in wanting to please your spouse, leading you to so many more demands on your attention. The time and energy that married people spend on caring and nurturing each other, the unmarried can spend in becoming whole and holy instruments of God. I'm trying to be helpful to make it as easy as possible to not make things harder. All I want for you is to be able to develop a way of life in which you can spend plenty of time together with the master and without a lot of distraction. If a man has a woman friend to whom he is loyal but never intended to marry, having decided to serve God as single, and then changes his mind, deciding that he should marry her, go ahead and marry her. That's no sin. That's not even a step down from celibacy, as some say. But on the other hand, 
If a man is comfortable in his decision for a single life in service to God, and it's entirely his own conviction not imposed on him by others, he ought to stick with it. Marriage is spiritually and morally right and not inferior to singleness in any way. You see, when we view relationships through the lens of the American romance narrative, we seek to be complete through others. And happiness becomes defined by fulfillment, meaning what can I pull and squeeze out of this, not do, what do I contribute to this? We sell ourselves and deceive ourselves and turn our eyes to ourselves and then begin to say, I have needs, I, I have desires, I have goals. And the relationship then becomes the tool, the, the option to help feed your needs. To help feed your romantic desires. And in the spirit of honesty, some of that is true. But we need to remember that how we start something determines how we finish you see, how, like, have you ever tried uh, to do something without much instruction? Like you're kind of just like, foot loose, fancy free, I'm going to do this without, you know, however I want. And then you realized by the time it was too late that you couldn't undo what you had done. Like in cooking, I'm the worst at this, I promise. I'm the worst, that's my wife. I do this all the time. <laughs> and this is what happens in our relationships. And, and it's kind of funny because it's like we, we expect there to be like a playbook to learn how to drive or, you know, to how to operate my computer or how to handle a chainsaw. But when it comes to relationships, we just want to do whatever the heck we want. We don't want a playbook. We want to go by emotions. Do whatever we want. And it leads us into so many bad places. Because the foundation that we've built our relationships on are unsound. And they're creating fractures, unnecessary fractures within our lives. Happiness, success, financial security, safety, love, they're not waiting on the other side of Mr. or Mrs. Right. Now, while you might experience some of that, the solution for the holes in your souls is not another person. Building on the wrong foundation, using the wrong tools, puts pressures on your life in a way that sets you up for trouble. And it sets others up for failure because they can't meet or maintain what you need. And here's the thing. Relationships aren't for your comfort. Look at your neighbor and say, it ain't for my comfort. That was very lackluster. <laughs> Relationships are not means to fulfill you. Relationships are not meant to make you happy. They're meant to make you holy. And we know that. We know that iron sharpens iron. That the friction that we feel is meant to grow and stretch us, to refine us. Relationships are meant to help reform you. And when it comes to love and relationships, we cannot swipe right if we don't understand how the two are supposed to come together. And the sad truth is that too many of us have underestimated the size and the scope of love and the deep love needs that we have. We've misunderstood the nature of love. You see, love isn't just a feeling, it's also a decision. It has a dual function, but it also has a single nature. 
So I want to I break this down for you. Let's explore this together. You see, Jesus was asked this question one time in Mark 12, verses 28 through 31. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? In other words, what is the meaning of everything? If, if we were to boil it down, what is the meaning of life? The most important one answered Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. It's all about love. It's all interconnected. It's not a switch that we turn on or off. Love is a need and it's an expression. It requires your heart and it requires your head. But what is the nature of love? And this is where we have to turn back to the beginning of humanity. You see, the nature of love is both physical and spiritual. You see, we were formed by God from the dust of the earth. And when you begin to read the Bible, what you begin to realize is that Jesus has been laid and woven into the foundation of everything. And if we had the time to tease that out, I would show you. But then spiritually what we find is that in order to bring the dust to life, God breathed his eternal breath into man. Which means that the soul that's within us is immortal. And if Jesus says that I and the Father are one, and Jesus embodies love, literally and figuratively, then what we realize is that the nature of us is love. You see, they're two parallel, they're two separate ideas, but we cannot understand what love is without the both of them. Physically, we were made from physical dirt, so we're bound by a body, but spiritually, we have life from the eternal breath of God which means that our spirit and our soul is eternal. This means that as limited beings, our life longs to be united with its infinite source back to our creator, which is why what, what C.S. Lewis says is so profound in this quote. If I find myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. The problem that so many of us face in romantic relationships is we're trying to fill eternal holes with temporary beings. You can't fill the intangible with the tangible. The infinite with a limited resource. You know, uh, Pastor George Witt said it this way, we are trying to fill an infinite need with a limited supply. This is why we're always on the pursuit for more. Do you see the dilemma? We're desperately looking for answers to help us understand life, but life without love means nothing, and love without God is empty. Each and every one of us has been created to and for love, and that's why we have to take the starting point from God. And it's funny because so many of us reach the highs of our life and realize that we're still empty inside. 
Because the supply that you're seeking isn't a place, person, or thing, an achievement, a trophy, or a salary. This is why great marriages fail. Successful people fall. People who have money are empty inside. Someone in a good relationship wants somebody in outside of their relationship. Because there's something inside you that needs more than what this world has to offer. You cannot fill an infinite need with a limited supply. From God flows the wellspring of life, the thirst, the hunger that you have. See, there's this, there's this story in the Bible of Jesus and a Samaritan woman. It's found only in, in, in one gospel of the Bible, the gospel of John. And what's interesting about this story is, is this lady comes to the well and she has been broken and battered from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship. And Jesus calls this out of her and he sets her up because he says, hey, I, I, I'm thirsty and I need something to drink. Can, can you help me out? And the way that they talk to each other, we, we begin to realize that Jesus, he's, he's, he's setting her up to understand that the thirst that she naturally has isn't just natural, it's also spiritual. But it's the spiritual one that always remains unfilled if it's not connected to its source. And so he tells her, I'm the life, the thirst that you have been looking for. And the cue that we get from that is when it comes to the needs that we need in our lives, we have to start with God and find our love through Jesus. God is who you need, but Jesus is where we begin. And here's the thing, we, we cannot begin to do practically what we don't understand philosophically or theologically, which means that it's time for us to do some evaluation and figure out where our heart is at. What is the narrative of love that you've bought into and how are you going to take steps to change it? Because I'm not gonna tell that to you. I want you to see the problem, understand why the tension exists, and then figure out with God, what do I need to do next? That's your responsibility, not mine. Each and every one of us has been created differently, uniquely. We have to have that intimate conversation with our creator to figure out how the pieces of our life come together to make the picture that he designed us to complete. If you want the most out of your relationships, then you have to understand the foundation. And if you've gotten off course, man, here's the good news today. It's okay and you can find your way back. And from this day forward, you can begin to change. And God can begin to put what you need back into your life, and you can begin to swipe right in your relationships. Swipe right with the purpose that he's given you. Make the right choices. Because when we get the order wrong, relationships become an appetite we consume instead of a union we contribute to. When we get the order wrong, Singleness becomes a curse instead of a life committed to Christ. When we get the order wrong, we abuse women and children and men because each of us has a need we want filled and people become products. Wh why say all this? Because come on, man. It's not going well. And look, maybe today you're in this place and you've got a good marriage. Things are going well. 
if you've got kids, maybe this message today wasn't for you. It was to help you realize what it is their, their tension is. Maybe today this is talking directly to you. There is tension in your relational world. You can fix that by partnering with God and going on a journey. But here's the thing. Claiming the title of Christianity isn't for us to sit into this comfortable corner saying that Christ has died for just for me. It's to take, to take what we have been given and to share it with the world and to fight injustice. It requires more. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes? There are a lot of us in here today who come from different walks of life. And, and here's the thing, and no one's looking around, but today, today, maybe you came in this place and you're single, and you know you've got some relational issues that you're dealing with right now, and you haven't been able to figure it all out. But today you're like, God, I, I need to just, I, I'm reminded today that I need to take my eyes off me and put my eyes on you. Would you just raise your hand and acknowledge that before God? Nobody's looking around. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Go ahead and put your hands down. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, you see these beautiful souls that you've created today in this place. God, you have created us for relationship, but that relationship looks differently for each and every one of us. And God, as we seek to figure out what it is that you have for us, how it is that you've created us, we ask that you help us to have the wisdom and the discretion to be able to move forward the right way, to make the right decisions. That you would help us, God, to not feel empty and incomplete because we don't have our special someone. God, our life is not on hold. You are calling us to bigger and greater things in you. Help us to recognize that about ourselves. Maybe today you're in this room and you're married and your marriage is going through a tough stress because you have put unnecessary pressure on your spouse to complete you in a way they never were created or intended to. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, would you just acknowledge that by raising your hand before God today? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Put your hands down. I want to pray over you. God, there are, there are unions in this room that you have blessed, that you have put together. And God, we ask that you help all the married folk to remember, God, that marriage is not 50-50, it's 100-100, and sometimes we love the commitment, and sometimes we have to commit to love. And that we're imperfect people. That our spouses are not there to complete us, they're there to help transform us. We're, help, we're there to help hold each other up, to continually sharpen each other, to remind each other of the duty that we have to ourselves and to God. God, help us to not put unnecessary pressure from our desires and our hopes onto our spouses, creating unnecessary tension where it was never meant to be. God, give us the wisdom to move forward the right way. And God, for some of us who, who need some counseling, help us to have the wisdom to recognize now is the time to take this to somebody who can help us work this out in a better way. Finally, today if you're in this room, and maybe you've just never said yes to following Jesus, but you want to commit your life to Christ. Maybe you just never understood 
how his love works, and now today you just see it in a new way, and you would like to pursue a relationship with him. Nobody's looking around. Would you just raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Hands down. I just want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, as we turn our eyes towards you, God, we ask that you would help something to begin to happen within our hearts, that we would recognize that you are our Lord and Savior, that you would begin to answer the deep questions that we have, the important questions that we have, God, and help us to realize that doubt feeds faith just as much as faith feeds faith. And God, we ask that you would begin to take us on a journey where you transform our entire lives as we surround ourselves with you. In your name we pray, amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.